Welcome to Live with Greg or Live with Greg, depending on semantics. <laughs> So I'm here with Mirta at her home for another episode of Live with Greg. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How about you? I'm good. Good. Considering that false start we had. (laughs) Hey, life happens, right? Yeah. Um, So if you don't mind, I'd like to just start with asking about some of your artistic choices. Sure. Let's maybe tell everyone what the movie is. Yes. The Human Solution. And it is playing on Amazon Prime. Okay. Is it only on Amazon Prime right At now? the moment, it's only on Amazon Prime in the U.S. and in the U.K. Okay. The Human Solution. Yes. By Mirta Vega. That's correct. Bueno. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm wondering, why did you choose the Square 4-3 format for the film? First of all, it's a period piece. Yeah. And it takes you right into... That period, for example, Son of Saul, which won an Academy Award for Best Foreign Film, also chose that same format. I think it's an intimate format that kind of draws you into the film. And uh, as you notice, um, there's a lot of tightness because it's an intense journey that these characters take. And so for me, I was very much influenced by Igmar Bergman and Casavides, who was very much about getting in people's faces and getting us to that intensity of emotion that is um, really essential when you're telling such a difficult story. I think you can't do it this wide panorama because that takes away from it, I think. People are looking at the beautiful flowers and the meadow. Here we're getting right to it. And I noticed even from lighting and colorizing, it was um, almost as though I was watching a piece from the 30s. Exactly. That was the intention. The story starts in 1938. Everything in that film is period authentic, from the clothing to the furniture to anything that is shown there. It's all from 1938 Sweden, and the story ends in 1953 Sweden. And uh, for me, that was really important. The color starts out much brighter and lusher in the beginning. And as it goes through its trajectory, it gets darker and the colors get more dull. Right. And so that was intentional, of course. Okay. Um, It had, for me, watching it, almost like a documentary narrative of like this happens Mm -hmm. then this happens Mm -hmm. then is that intentional for the story well i think it's just really hard because it's based on historical facts to tell it any other way and although it is a work of fiction 100 percent, those characters never existed um i just wanted to portray the dilemma of a doctor that performs the procedures facing that choice you know so for me um, as far as it being a documentary I really don't see it that way but I did have to rely on history to help me tell the story so hope that helps okay Um, alright last 
artistic choice question. And this one you may not want to answer because okay. it certainly <clears throat> is a choice you made that I believe leaves the viewer in their own imagination of what is mm -hmm. that. And that is the ending. Yeah. With the father walking into the sea. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about what that may, means? Um, I would rather have the viewer just make up his or her own mind as to what really happens. At the end, if you notice, there's a shift in color. Red is introduced. Red was not introduced until those final minutes where the daughter wears red as she's leaving. The father wears red on that day. So red, what does it mean? Is it blood? Is it life? Is it rebirth? What is it? Is it war? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And I'd rather leave... I think the film is meant to wake us up. I think that if, as artists, we don't pose difficult questions, and I'm not talking only as documentarians, but as filmmakers, we're missing the boat because we have a responsibility to whatever life and culture we're living in to reflect that and make people think. And I want everyone walking out of that movie saying, if that was me, what would I do? There are no easy choices here. There is no clear-cut answer. And that, to me, is the whole essence of, in my work, I always want to stimulate people to think, you know, and be roused into another possibility. I thought that was wonderful in the story. Of the, they were very human characters, especially the father with him accepting back his wife. And obviously the sons were like not so open to that idea at the beginning. And that was a very human choice. I think we all know whether in our own life or people we're close to who have loved someone to their detriment, potentially. I think that happens so much, and especially <clears throat> for this man that was so much into his identity, into the rigid Swedish culture of that time. To take a chance on accepting a wife that has run out on him uh, is a huge risk. And because <clears throat> of doctors had to maintain a certain level of, of reputation, and uh, that's why his sons confront him and say, are you crazy? You know, think of this, what this will do to you. So. All right. So now we're just going to say what the topic is, which okay. is the sterilization and sometimes aborting a fetus of women who are deemed to be unfit for society or to be a burden for society. Right. And from what I saw in the film, like it happens to men too, but 95% mm -hmm. of the time it is women. Mm -hmm. In your story, it was women with gypsy blood. The Swedes, the Swedes sterilized anybody that they thought was inferior. In my film, it happens to be a half gypsy girl. But they sterilized the Laplanders, they sterilized a lot of different people simply by being reported for 
improper behavior, you could get sterilized because they wanted to keep a tight grip on all of society and everyone had to behave a certain way. That's why in the film, his insistence on saying <clears throat> she is a proper Swedish young lady is so important because it was important for him to make everybody understand she will fit in. She will fit in with who we are. And I did not know anything about Sweden when I wrote this script. I had never been there. And when I first sent it to get partners for the film, the Swedes said to me, how do you know us so well? This is modern Sweden. Because for me, it was important to get the mannerisms right. It was important to get that sense of reserve right. That uh, hesitancy, the slowness of how that culture interacts with one another and everything has to be proper. So that was a radical departure from any other film because I believe that you owe it to the period to do it correctly. So my actors, who are British and did a fabulous job, uh, they're all theater actors in England and they're wonderful, wonderful. They just love the material. And what they did was they wanted to hurry it up. And I said, no, take your time with this. Let us feel what is going on. Yeah. That was wonderful in the film, especially the father with the um, the porcelain figurines. Porcelain figurines, yes. And um, he, his when he explains why they're important to him mm -hmm. to his daughter, mm -hmm. it hits so perfectly because I've seen him interact with them in that matter. And, exactly. And then you hear him say, and then, of course, the power of their place in the ending of the story yeah. is real because of all that. Um, wow. All right, so you have two characters with gypsy blood, their friends, the daughter and her friend at school. Mm -hmm. Her friend at school we see is an upright human and honest mm -hmm. in nature. And she's the first who is sterilized in the story. In this story, yes. But, I mean, it happened routinely, constantly. She just was worried because she didn't see her friend at school. And then she finds out she didn't understand why they took her away. That would happen constantly. They would just take them at will. And when you say that they... Were they ever returned to Oh, school? yes, they were returned, but... Different. Okay, so how did you get involved in this? Well, what happened was, years ago, I was... I love the New York Times on Sunday. Who doesn't? Everybody does, that I know of. Um, and so I was reading, and I was in the interna international news section. And there was a little tiny article that spoke about the Swedish eugenics law that was repealed in 1976. And I said, what? <laughs> because my image of Sweden 
was oh it's so progressive it's so beautiful people are so happy it's wonderful it's liberated women have you know equality yada yada so I was pretty surprised so I was lucky enough to get the phone and call the journalist that had first broken the news in the national Swedish newspaper because the Swedes are very good about hiding things. So even though some Swedes, and it's basically a lot of Swedes know about this, it's never spoken of. So this guy had the audacity, he's a Polish guy, to write this article. It was front page news in Sweden. And I called him. And he took my phone call. And I said, I would like to know more. So he turned me on to his contact at the Historical Institute. I spoke with them. My head was exploding. <laughs> but uh, I decided to delve deeply into the subject and figure out what had happened and why and how. And uh, of course, the horrible, ugly story of eugenics all over the world. Uh, but I decided to set it in Sweden because it was so shocking to me that the view I had had of how fabulous Scandinavia is and how wonderful and uh, it was so shocking to me that this happened I actually spent some time in Sweden I speak some Swedish and uh, the culture remains the same as far as they marginalize um They're very proud of who they are, and you have to fit in. I was always criticized for being an individual. That's a shock. You can't be an individual, you have to be part of the collective. So I was, you know, not very positively viewed because I was an American. But that's not news because Americans are not necessarily popular in many places of the world. I speak eight languages and Um, I've traveled quite a bit, but I, I was, I was surprised to see that the view I had of Sweden was so different. And initially, I uh, was trying to get the project made in Sweden, and I kept running into brick walls. Hmm. They would say, "Oh, we love the story," and then they're very good at saying yes, but they mean no, constantly. And I heard that some of the crew that I was assembling was being told by their friends, why are you making a story that reflects upon us negatively? Hmm. And I'm not criticizing Sweden in the story, as you can see. It's just what would have happened during that period to a doctor, potentially, that was doing the procedures. And, you know, it's a fictional story. And yet, I got nothing but pushback. Hmm. Finally, I decided to take it to the UK. And there I was able to make the film and did post-production in the U.S., but it was a very interesting, I learned a lot. And I'm not saying that all Swedes are like that, of course not. There's many, many Swedes that are open-minded and, and really embracing. And, you know, we all have our horrible hist historical moments. America has a ton, and not to mention the eugenics history of America. Right, yeah. and that's what I want to... Yeah. get to because at the very end in the end titles yeah. 
I believe it, that you said there was uh, eugenics in 2010 in the United yeah, well, States? Well, uh, there was an incident where ICE was holding some people at one of the facilities and these women were being sterilized against their will. Eugenics is still happening all over the world, but people don't talk about it openly. Um, even in Sweden, even if it's been repealed, they do it. Just And they just keep it under the rug. And wasn't there a date as recent as 2020 you, yeah. in Georgia? Yeah, in Georgia. That's what, that was the ICE facility. That was the ICE facility yes. in 2020. So I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about it again, uh, constantly. I mean, it happens. And uh, anybody that is deemed inferior to procreate, this happens routinely. Yeah. And so, you know, who decides who's inferior? Right. Have you reflected on that of how humanity evolves to a place where a system is created of sterilization and deeming individuals well, I don't know if you were awake during the last few years that we were here in the United States. <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, we've been through some stuff, right? Yes, we have. And so because we've been through some stuff, as horrifying as it is, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, but I see the thing is that I know that some people think they're superior. And uh, that, as shocking as it is, they would not hesitate to make sure that everyone knows they are the master race by whatever means possible. You and I jokingly before this were talking about the liberal mindset that sees itself as superior to... Mm -hmm. Is it possible for a human being to be egoless and truly, truly interact with everyone as equal. I would like to believe that it is possible, but I think it requires constant vigilance. I think we have to be constantly awake and constantly cognizant of how our actions are perceived and what we're seeing um, because, you know, it's hard work. We have many preconceived notions even if we like to think that we don't. And it's obvious. It's obvious my new project deals with that in some, to some degree. Okay. I just think it's um, as, as horrible and as surprising as it sounds. It happens. It happens now. Whether we want to take it to the length of sterilization, of segregation of uh, Death. mass murder, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think there's degrees. How far are you going to go? And how far can you live with yourself if you go? I think a lot of people that perform this or do these things, and uh, you know, they just shut off a part of their brain. You know, that's interesting because the father, one thing I noticed mm. is like the daughter didn't even realize that he did this for a no. living. Like he shut this off. It was a compartment. Yes, it was very brain. compartmentalized. Yeah, very much, because he can't live with it. 
He can't live with it. So he has to shut it off. And the only escape he has is those porcelains. Because that's a world he can control. Uh, that's, hmm. He can control that. That's about it. Because if you'll notice, the daughter turns out to be just like the mother that she never met. Right. A wild spirit. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I also thought her saying she loved this man. Yeah. And because of the trouble the father had had with her mother. Yeah. Like him saying, no, you don't. Yeah, she's a kid, you know, she's a kid, and he doesn't think that she should have the right to be in love. Well, I thought there was also protection in there because of the pain he had experienced from his love. Definitely protection as well, but at the same time, um, kids need to be given their head so mm -hmm. they can run ahead and, and experience... Even if it's pain, but they have to experience that so they can grow. Yeah. So, you have two children? Yeah. Did they have? Did they support this project? I don't talk about my children, but uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, and anyway, it doesn't matter if they do or they don't, because I'm an artist, I do my work. I don't look for approval. I only look for approval from the people that I'm working with. And so we can make a, have a consensus and a collaboration. They're very proud of me, but I don't uh, approval from anyone outside the circle of making a movie. Is irrelevant. Is irrelevant. As artists, we have to do the work. So you are driven in filmmaking. I am driven to... Hopefully, make a difference. Hopefully, it's mm. all we can do. Is I can move if I can move one person, half an inch, that already would be an accomplishment. Have you come across any people or entities that are working to remove euthanics from the planet? Eugenics. Eugenics. Um. Uh, Everyone talks a big talk. So I can't say for sure. I think everybody is appalled, especially with the Me Too movement and all that. But there's a lot of little sputters that happen. There's a big movement, and then it sputters, and there's a big movement. And that's why, Greg, aside from the fact that you're a great guy, I'm doing this because I want people to watch the film. I want people to wake up and realize this is still going on. And do something, you know, like be aware at least. If you have daughters, if you if you're a woman, if you you know, anything, if you have friends that are women, this is a, a very important thing to think about. Did you meet anyone in this project that had been No sterilized? No. No, that's more of a documentary angle okay. where you would actually interview somebody. I it was important for me to keep it on the fiction level. Right. Because I wanted to make it a story. I think there's a lot of fantastic documentaries out there, but a lot of it is preaching to the choir. And I wanted to open it up a little bit as a fictional story and maybe maybe give people another in that way. Maybe. Alright, so you mentioned the darkness, mm -hmm. in our opinion, mm -hmm. that this country has been through mm -hmm. in the past three, four years. Mm -hmm. 
this is a very top dark topic. Mm-hmm. How do you retain hope? I think the only hope that we have is to try to be a better person every day. I think that it is up to us to make a difference. And sure, you can go on marches and protests and all of that. But at the end of the day, if you're not making a conscious effort to be better, examine your behavior and grow, because we're all constantly growing if we allow ourselves to, it's not going to be a better world. It's our personal responsibility. We can't look to our leaders to make it happen. We have to do it. I think it's a cop-out to look at others. Oh, he's not doing this. He's not doing it. No. Do it yourself. Do what you can yourself to engage and uh, affect a difference in yourself and by extension around you. And I imagine that's what happened for you when you called this reporter. There's this immense resonance in you of the horror of what you're learning about. Yeah. Well, he was very kind because he's a wonderful writer and he didn't have to do speak to a person from America. You know, he didn't know me from Adam. He was very generous and very kind and spoke good English. And, uh, you know, we always have to focus on the kindness of strangers because it is there. So many strangers are actually good. There's so much goodness surrounding us. So just because a lot of what's going on or what has happened in the past and what sometimes continues to happen is very negative, that doesn't mean that we can't open our eyes to the beauty that's around us, to the good that's around us, There are a lot of good people out there. A lot. And we have to really look at that as well as be awake and look at everything else that's going on. I think these two go hand in hand. (laughs) Um, Are you comfortable talking about your next project that's on the table? Um, I can only say that it is uh, a reflection of what we're coming out of and um, on many levels and uh, it's going to be another it's going to be my um, I'm counting it's going to be my third feature film so is the human solution solution my second one it's your second one yeah I thought it was your first no my first one was just the first film that You know, I didn't know what I was doing, so I relied on people that were not the best advisors and got a feature film under my belt. Good. Then I got the second one, and now I'm going to the the third third one. one. You start in um, the beginning of 2022. I I hope so. We're going that way. We're going that way. We will see. And, uh, yeah, every film is um, a miracle that it happens anyway. But I believe in miracles. Just occurred to me. Um, the fact that sterilization is ninety-five percent women. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that has an element of? It's because a woman's body is the creation of 
more life, mm -hmm. more humans, mm -hmm. or patriarchal. Like, does it? Well, that's obvious. That's obvious. You just like, come yeah, on, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, there's there's femicide all over Latin America. They're killing women. We are worthless in most of the world. Women are superfluous and worthless. We are second-class citizens, and that's the truth. This is why, for me, it was a point of pride that this film received the reframe stamp for gender parity behind the camera. And on all of my projects, I will make sure that there's gender parity behind the camera because I believe that if we don't give ourselves an opportunity, no one's going to give it to us. So as much as I love men, I also believe in giving women a chance. There's a lot of talented people that get passed over for jobs, and I'm here to set the record straight and improve things. I want to give jobs to the disabled, to the handicapped, to the people that have deformities. All I care about is that they're good at what they do. And that, to me, is huge. And anybody that wants to know more, wants to potentially invest in my new project, or you know, wants to reach out, you can find me on LinkedIn. And uh, that's really important to me to support and build a community of artists in which people feel they have a chance. That's beautiful. Thank you. Is there anything more that you'd like to touch upon that hasn't been brought up? I would just like to tell people don't give up. Don't give up. All right. Because if we give up, there's nothing left. You know who you are. <laughs> don't give up. Thanks for your time, Greg. Thank Appreciate you, it. Uh, Appreciate very it. Happy. Thank you. Thank you.